0: Every one of us um, has this, and none of us actually want it. But, you know, each and every person in here has a relationship that's been tainted with bad blood. Um, it, it's a, I think it's just a fact of life that we're going to experience that. And, you know, bad blood can affect any relationship at all. Whether, I mean, you may have the best. Uh, marriage. You may have the best friendship. You might have the best children, um, but yet at any moment and within just a split second of time, bad blood can taint that relationship. Uh, if, of course, if we uh, allow it, it can, it can infect us. We all know that we, um, we have a relationship. We can probably all think of one that is just this relationship is toxic. It brings a lot of harm into my life, and this series we're talking, this series bad blood is all about getting that out of our lives, about cleaning that stuff out, so that we have healthy relationships, or at the very least, we have peace about the relationships in our lives. Now, last week we talked about getting going with this, and one of the ways is this: you have empathy. Now, one of the ways to begin to get rid of bad blood is to have empathy for the person or about the person that has you know, hurt you, maybe, or that has caused this stuff, bad things to happen in your life. And we talked about that being a way, seeing things from their side, can begin to help us get to a healthy place. Now, this week, we're, we're going to talk about the F word, all right? And, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a second, but I want to start out here with a story. All right, there's this lady. Uh, her name is Holly. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, she, Holly's married to a guy named David, and they live in Georgia. Their, their, health, their relationship is very, very healthy. Holly and David are both part of their church up there. Uh, they volunteer, she helps with the kids, uh, you know, in the kids' church and things like that. So they're really active, and things are going really well. Well, Holly, um, her, her too, she has been affected by bad blood in her life. And now in her case, uh, this all started and it came from her father. Uh, he, she, she, growing up, Holly didn't really understand why, but the relationship that she had with her dad was very um, weird. It was very, had like, always had a lot of attention. It was rocky. It was complicated, it was difficult, and, and she didn't know why, but, but she knew that, you know, it was her mom and dad had a relationship like this. He was in the house, and then she would throw him out, and then, you know, he would come back, and then she would throw him out again. This happened time after time after time over the years, and um, again, Holly, growing up, didn't really understand what was going on. She knew they fought a lot, and it was just that type of, you know... Uh, well, kind of a toxic relationship between her mom and dad. And when Holly was 21 years old, she had moved out of the house and it was on her own. Well, she went to lunch one day at a restaurant and she saw her father there. And what she saw was it wasn't just her father, but it was her dad having lunch with another woman, not her mom. And then everything clicked. It was just like in that moment, boom, she understood my dad has been having affairs all these years. And that's what has caused this tough, difficult relationship between her, uh, him and her mom, and him and her, and just the family. It, that, that's where it came from. She finally saw it all in one moment there in the restaurant. Well, um, in her mid-20s, a couple years later, Holly was engaged, got engaged to be married. Uh, to, to her current husband, and uh, she was excited about it, and it was a great thing. He was a great guy, and well, she you know, talks to her dad about it, and it just so happens that her dad had decided that you know, him, and her, him and his wife or her mom were gonna be, get a divorce, and he was gonna marry this other lady that he had found, and he told Holly this, um, you know, hey, that's great and all, but uh, I'm, I'm not gonna help you pay for your wedding because I'm gonna pay for mine. So, here Holly was at a place in her life where she was excited, and it was a great deal. She's getting married. They found the man of her dreams, but at the very same time, her, her father is, like, stabbing her again with another blow, another, hey, you know what, you know, just another very selfish thing on his part, and so it hurt, and she was damaged, and, and this bad blood has just been going on and on and on in her life ever since she was really small, well, after she'd been married a couple years, they you know, wedding happened and all of that. She decided, I'm going to email my dad. You know, I, I can't keep living this way with this our relationship being the way it is, and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to email him. Didn't want to talk to him, uh, kind of understandably. So she sent him an email, and here's what she wrote. She said, "Hey, Deb, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about what's going on in your life and why it's caused so much problems with our family." Well. I mean, that's kind of a pointed email, and, and I mean, she was obviously talking out of a little bit of hurt, but it, I, I can see how it made sense. Well, she waited, she waited, and then days passed, and weeks passed, and months passed, no response from her dad at all, and, and, and that's a really, really long time when you consider that today, everything we want now. Like, if I send a text message or email to somebody, I want it back in five minutes max. Well, we're talking about months. And so, nothing. Well, then, finally, 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 uh, she misses a call from her dad, and he leaves her a voicemail. And here's what he said. And and let me give it to you the way she said it. She said, he flippantly said, hey, I'm so sorry I haven't responded to your email, which, you know, we all probably in our minds say, yeah, well, that's a lie. Uh, Oh, and I'm so sorry I've caused so much pain in our family. That was it. That was the whole response. Nothing else, didn't give her nothing to work with. So she thought this to herself. That, that didn't even feel genuine. I don't feel like that was sincere. It's not, didn't, not real. He, he's not honest. But here's what it made her start to think, well, maybe, maybe I should try to choose and, and, and go down this path of empathy and try to see things from where my dad's coming from, from his perspective. So now, now we, we talked about this last week. I'm going to say it again. Last week, we talked about empathy. And if you missed that message, you, you should listen to it. It's online, okay? It's, it's free. Uh, Ed and I don't get any royalties off of it at all. Um, it's there. We want you guys to have it. So please listen to it if you missed it because we, it, we're talking about this stuff, and it's, it's a big deal. So Holly decided I'm going to go down that road. I'm going to try it. So she took this long walk. All the way around the relationship and begin to try at her very best to see things from her dad's side. And let's just face it, her dad's side was messed up, but she was, hey, I'm going to at least give it a shot. And uh, it didn't make anything right. It didn't excuse anything he had done or the way he had treated her or her mom or anything like that. But what it did do was help her come to this realization. And here's something she said, oh, my dad's broken My dad's not just hurtful, he's hurting also. She began to see him this way. In in her mind, she began to see him as this little boy who was bouncing around from relationship to relationship to relationship in life, and he had no clue how to navigate it. He had no clue how to be a real husband and a real father. Uh, and, And when she did that, it actually helped her. It helped her to begin to take a breath and begin to see things from his perspective, and it just gave her a new insight to her father. Now, um, I want you guys to think, if you, ha- you probably already have, think of a person that has um, caused bad blood in your life. Somebody that may be like, like Holly had, or it could be any type of situation, but think of someone like that. You, you have their, their picture of their face uh, in your mind, just take a deep breath, it's going to be okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> And, and here we go with this next step. Have you tried emphasizing? Emphasizing. Have you tried <laughs> empathizing? Have you tried doing that? Have you tried to say, hey, I'm gonna see it from their angle, from their side? And if you say no, then you need to. And if you say, yeah, I've done that and, and I've, I've gone down that road, so then here's today the, the next thing you do once you do that. And that's where we come up to, this dreaded F word, which if you've opened up your handout, you've already read it. Um, and so if you've read it, don't, don't just try to guess what this word is, okay? Um, but if you've read it, I want to, he, here's what it is. Um, let's just say it together, all right? The, the dreaded F word that we're talking about this morning is? Forgiveness. forgiveness. right. You guys are right.
1: Forgiveness is a process. That, that's the big understanding that it's so important that we have. Sometimes we think, well, I just have to make a decision and forgive them, let it go, blah, blah, blah. And that's true, but it's not the whole truth, Yes, it starts with a decision to forgive, but so often it may take time. We want to be real today. We don't want to just give you flippant, shallow little things and truths that are only partially effective. We just want to recognize that it's hard sometimes to forgive. Life hurts. People hurt. And sometimes, like in Holly's case, they hurt over and over and over again, and you've been a victim. Or caught up in some relationship that is just now full of bad blood, and it's not necessarily easy just to forgive and forget. You know, there are people that have taken years to forgive, like our story about Holly. Some people process a little faster, and maybe you can get through forgiving somebody more quickly, but the average person, if we're honest, it really often takes a while. You know, we think we're forgiven, and then we see that person and don't want to talk to them. We we want to avoid them because there's still something there. There's still something not worked out. And so you might have a a picture of your person right now, and you can think, you know what, that's all done and gone, poof. You know, it's okay. But most folks take longer than that. Most people take Sometimes even years to forgive, depending on how deep the hurt is. You know, some people might have this goal. You know, my, my goal today is to hate them just a little less. You know, if I could just, you know, start decreasing the hate. Well, that's, there's an honesty to that that's good, but God's, God has more, and you could say better. And to understand that, or it's important to understand that though this is a process, the faster the better. God wants to help you get through the forgiveness process as quickly as possible because it's good for you personally, as well as the relationship that you have bad blood with. So today we're going to make a number of statements about forgiveness and talk about it from a few different angles to try to really get a hold of this. So to start with, we want to say this. Forgiveness is not condoning what they did. To forgive is not to say, you know what, that, what they did was really okay. You know, it, it, no, it was no big deal. You know, it, it's like we feel like we have to change reality with our words about something. No, that's not forgiving. Forgiving is being real and saying, that hurt, that was wrong, there's a problem, that person's got a problem. You don't condone what they did. Also, forgiveness is not forgetting what they did. I used that phrase a while ago, to forgive and forget. That is not in the Bible. Amen. The Bible does not command you to forget anything because so often as humans, we, can't, we just can't do that. We don't have that ability just to reach up there and erase something off the hard drive. So forgiveness is not forgetting what they did. It doesn't mean you haven't gotten, parts. pardon me, it doesn't mean that you have got the apology you think you deserve, you know. You may never get the apology you really deserve from somebody, but you don't have to have it to forgive. And here's the deal that's so important. When we don't forgive, it's like a person who's trying to kill rats, and so what they do is they drink the rat poison and watch the rats, hoping they'll die. Because to not forgive is to poison yourself. You are suffering too. If you can't enter this process of forgiveness. So unforgiveness, not entering this process. Unforgiveness is allowing the situation to own mental, emotional, and even physical energy that you need to be using somewhere else. To live with a hurt that you're not dealing with and not processing is draining. And your soul can get poisoned and drained. And lifeless forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and finding out the prisoner was you because there's two people in prison when there's bad blood the person who's the offender who's done something wrong to you but you too because you're holding on to it and you're in this prison of unforgiveness as well so to forgive is to simply let it go Even though they were wrong, even though it hurts, and even if it may be impossible to forget, God is saying to forgive is to release them of the obligation, of the debt, of what they've done to you, and be willing to say, I forgive you, and let it go. And you don't have to have anything in return. Easier said than done, right? (laughs) Again, we're trying to be real today. This is not easy, but with God's grace, it can be a huge thing in our life. We're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture today that helps us really drill down into this subject of forgiveness and and how we can forgive. We're going to look in the book of Romans, written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this letter to these believers to help them and their relationships not have bad blood. And so he talked about relational dynamics, and so let's look at Romans chapter 12. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If you were here last week, this was our one scripture we looked at. We just turned this inside it out and talked about how this applies. And basically the big deal is we have a responsibility. You have a responsibility if you're in a bad blood relationship. And God says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. And again, listen to last week's message if you missed it. But that was the general principle, but that was the, only the first sentence in a whole paragraph on this subject. So we want to look at the rest of the paragraph today, okay? So let's go on. Do not take revenge, my dear friend, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What a powerful passage. We want to unpack it today and and see all we can in this passage. First off, the phrase, don't take revenge. Did you notice that nowhere in here does it say, or what they did was it wrong, or it's not okay to be hurting. No, it's, it's okay to be hurting and to be human. But what we do about it is the big deal. And so the phrase, don't take revenge, doesn't necessarily mean just, okay, I'm not going to form this diabolical plan in my mind to get back at them, you know. It also means the internal mental celebration of their misfortune. Oh, yeah, they finally got what's coming to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, it's easy to do that, isn't it? Uh, You might be like the guy maybe who's had a friend that now there was bad blood there, and he hears about something, and he goes, "Uh uh-huh, serves you right to have to go to the ER because you shot yourself in the foot with a nail gun that I loaned you three years ago, and you still haven't returned it. You deserve to be in the ER. It's human to think that, but it's not helpful, right? And it's so important to understand this. As long as we have this mental celebration about somebody's misfortune, we have not forgiven them. To rejoice and celebrate and go, "Uh uh-huh. When somebody's hurt or whatever that's hurt you, that's not forgiveness. And you are not free. You are in prison If you're thinking that way about people. So that passage goes on next to say, leave room for God's wrath. You're thinking, now we're talking God's wrath. He's going to get them and tear them up and kill them and send them to hell. (laughs) Really, we we think that. (laughs) Really. But here, the idea of God's wrath is when we sin, when we do wrong and mistreat ourselves or others, we are under God's wrath because we're suffering the consequences of that sin. It brings bad things in our life, and the person who's hurt you, who's done you wrong, there's a sense of God's wrath on them because they are suffering the circumstances of their sin. We don't want to minimize people's pain and experiences. God cares greatly about your pain. God cares greatly that you've been hurt and wounded, but He wants to help you in a healthy way to get past it. Now, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, yeah, they they need to pay a price in the sense that they've done you wrong. God will discipline them. That wrath thing will take place. But let the cost of their harming you, of their sin, be figured out by God. Let God administer any punishment. Don't let their sin, their wrongs, hold you in prison any longer. You don't have to figure out what it will take to teach them a lesson. God will. God will. And just remember, it's his goal to save them too. He loves them as much as he loves you, and he he cares that both of you get better. So it's important as you're processing and forgiveness and moving forward and doing the things we're talking about today that you release them to let God deal with them and that you understand, I'm not going to get upset if their cost isn't what I think it should be. You know, that they just get what looks like a little, you know, wrap on the wrist when i think they ought to get whacked really good you you just are willing to leave that up to god knowing he doesn't make a mistake unforgiveness the refusal to move forward into this forgiveness process it boxes god out of the situation you're saying god no no i'm going to hold this bitterness and this hurt and this grudge the rest of my life but when you're willing to say god I," part of me doesn't want to, but I know what's best, and I know it'll be good for me. I'm willing to engage in the forgiveness process. Then there's hope, and God can come in and work. Now, the next phrase is almost crazy. You know, it's addressing people in conflict and problems, and he's saying, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. That How can that be true when when you're in a conflict and a problem? Well, It can be true if you're moving forward in forgiveness with God and he's working the relationship. If we actually believe what we're telling you and believe God will take care of them and deal with them and their sin and what it's going to take. If we really believe that, the bad blood can begin to diminish. I can stop seeking revenge. And guys, get this. I can actually begin to care about that person again. I can begin to realize, you know, like Chad said earlier in his story that, you know, I I, I get they've been hurting too. God help them. You can actually get there. Just like meeting a need, hunger or thirst, you, you can care to the point of prayer even. And then that phrase, You'll be heaping burning coals on their head. And that culture, it was a, a metaphor, meaning they, they become remorseful. They, because you're letting God deal with them, they're experiencing His discipline. And they begin to change. And, and God is leading them to the place of that wonderful Bible word, repentance. Saying, I own it, I blew it, God forgive me, God help me. What do I got to do to make it right with whoever? That's where God can lead them if we'll allow him into this situation. And you know what? The great scripture that says God's kindness leads us to repentance, that's true for me and you too. It's his kindness towards us. And when we're willing to enter this process like this, his kindness can touch their heart and change their mind. And then there's this uh, general summary scripture at the end of the passage. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Hear this, guys. By, be wi- by being willing to treat your offender well, it could touch their heart and begin a reconciliation between the two of you. You can overcome the evil of the bad blood with good if you're willing to go God's way. And you know what? They may not choose to ever reconcile or whatever, but this will be good for you. You will be better. The relationship may not get great or whatever, but as far as you... You're going to be better because you're willing to do this God's way. We can pursue peace with people even if they never do. That's fine. And as we said last week, even if I don't have peace in a relationship, I can have peace in here knowing I've done all I can do. So that's, that's our, our insight into this subject of forgiveness today. But we always like to go further and say, how can we do it, though? How can we forgive? How can we overcome evil with good.
0: So let's go back to our, our lady, Holly. All right. So you remember how, how we left the story off? Well, um, Holly began to walk around and see her father as injured, you know, as, as something damaged. And she began to see him as hurting, not just hurtful. I mean, he was both. And here, here's something she said. I'll read it to you. I decided I was just going to call him once a week. I didn't want to but I knew I had to find peace. I had to find resolution about this or else it would continue to affect every other relationship in my life. So here's what she did. She decided she had a, well, she didn't decide. She had a 20-minute drive, drive to work every day. That, that's, that was her commute. And so she said, on Fridays, I'm going to call my dad on my drive to work. And she, I mean, she thought this out because she she knew. She knew if I did it while I'm driving to work, there's a beginning and an end coming to this conversation. You know, it will end in 20 minutes because I have to go to work. So she you, you, she did what some of you have done when you go out on the date for the first time. Hey, buddy, will you please call me at about 8.30 just in case this is good? You know, so she kind of had a, a plan and, and ready to go. She knew she was going to cut off that conversation. And so that's what she did. And, uh, She said she started to call him every Friday. And she said at first he would just talk about himself. And it was really selfish. And everything he had to say was very self absorbed. And, you know, she's like, Golly, this is rough. I don't really want to hear this. I mean, I already, I get it. He's damaged. Why, you know? But she kept going on. She kept calling. So, week after week, after week after week, and it wasn't overnight, but we're talking a year's worth of Fridays. She calls him and talks to him. And after that year, she said we could finally have a sensible conversation. It wasn't just all one sided, all about, you know, we, we actually had real conversation. Now, uh, unfortunately, their relationship never became great. They never became the father-daughter that you would expect. They never had that type of relationship that they should have had. But she got to the point, or they both got to the point where her dad legitimately said, you know what? I was, I was wrong. I am so sorry that I, I caused this pain. And he was sincere. It was a real apology. It was a real, yep, yeah, I, I blew it. And uh, she, Holly said, I, I felt like I could finally at that point, I could say, finally, God, dad, I, I forgive you. She was finally able to let it go. And this took a year worth of, of all of that that she had to get through. And I'm sure there were plenty of times she's like, man, I don't want to talk today. I don't want, know, you know, but she kept going. She said, I'm not going to hold it against him anymore. Now, uh, so that's where she got, she got that. And then a few weeks later, after that conversation, like two weeks later, her, di- her dad died uh, of a massive heart attack. And um, she's, you know, if, you, if you listen to what, what Holly said, she's like, you know, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I got to deal with that before my father passed away. You know, um, I got to take care of it. I didn't, it just wasn't left hanging. I got, rid of, I got rid of that bad blood. And she was so thankful that she had reached out to him. Now, for some of you in here today, you're thinking, I could do that. I could do something like that. I, I, you know, there, I have this person, because you all still have this per- picture in your mind of who it is. I, I, could do, I could reach out to them. Others in here are saying, well, yeah, that works for her, but I can't do that. It wouldn't be healthy, maybe, for you to reach out. I mean, you know, it might not be that type of situation. You might not be able to handle that. Well, that, that's okay. It and, and may be possible that the person that hurts you is gone. Maybe you can't find them or maybe they have already passed away or something like that. And so there's really, it literally can't happen. Well, regardless of what, what, where you're at and what that situation is, um, you can still begin to get bad blood out of your life between you and that person. We, we, we don't ever suggest you put yourself in a harmful situation there is a point where you've gone far enough. We will be talking about that in a couple weeks. So some of you some of you think like me and you're wondering, "Okay, how far is too far?" <laughs> 2 weeks. I know last week I said 2 weeks and I lied by accident. It was actually 3 weeks from last week, so 2 weeks from today. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're going to be talking about that. Please, please forgive me right now. We're talking about <laughs> that.
1: But Brother, we forgive you. Thank you. you. <laughs>
0: thank you. So, whatever your situation is, if you want bad blood out of your life, you need to be active to make it happen. You will not accidentally run into forgiveness and peace. Like, oh, wow, I just ran into forgiveness. I forgive them. It's not going to work that way. You have to be intentional. You have to be active about it if you want that to happen.
1: So we want to boil it down to some simple steps we can all apply. that can really make a difference in these situations. Number one, realize that hurt people hurt people. People who hurt you are usually hurt themselves as well. And the person that hurt you is hurting himself by hurting you. We mentioned last week in empathy and again urge you to listen to that if you didn't get to be here. But walk around that situation mentally. Try to see it from their perspective. And that that really helps us begin this process of forgiving to be willing to see their hurt as well. And then this next thing, we think this is huge, okay? Accept an apology you may never get. Accept an apology you may never get. You're thinking, that don't make sense. Well, on one hand, yeah, but here's what we're trying to say here. Imagine in your mind that person coming to you and saying, you know what? My bad. I am so sorry. I know that was hurtful and has continued to be hurtful. Please forgive me. And you saying, I forgive you. Let's be good. Imagine that happening. How would you be as a result? You you, you just feel like this great burden had been lifted off of you. You, You'd feel like there was a, a sense of release in your own life. Well, that imagined scene may never literally happen. But if I'm willing to, in a sense, kind of prayerfully... Uh, you know, with a kind of a God-given imagination thing, say, God, I forgive them. As if they'd asked for an apology, I want to forgive them. This can be huge. And it's not maybe as simple and easy as just a quick prayer or whatever, but as we process and we're thinking, I want to forgive them, I want to forgive them, just like they apologize, this can be huge. And then finally, as we're forgiving somebody, we stop demanding payment. We mentioned this earlier. We release them. We stop demanding they suffer for it or owe us anything. We hope they'll apologize, but we're releasing them and saying, it's okay, it's good, I'm letting it go. And look at the rest of this one. So there's no more revenge seeking, and I'll genuinely pray for them instead. This is the test. You might circle that phrase, pray for them. You know you've forgiven somebody when you can sincerely Pray for them to be blessed, and you know you mean it. You're not just saying a prayer, but you're like God. I know you love them, and I I care. Help them. That's to me the real test in my heart. When I've had a conflict and bad blood, that when I get to the place I can pray and really mean it, I know I'm I'm getting to that good place. So, in conclusion, we want to say this: if we embrace this call to the process of forgiveness. It can help all our relationships, and even if the conflict problem doesn't get resolved like Holly and her dad fortunately were, even if it doesn't get resolved, you can be better. You can have peace in here, even if there's no peace in the relationship. We need to remember this. These, these thoughts we've shared, these attitudes we're encouraging you to embrace, it's Very likely that somebody else had to take these actions with you. I know people have done it for me, forgiven me when I've blown it, been open to getting right, and I could just tell, wow, what an attitude. All of us probably have been the recipient of this, and you are glad they came to you so it could get right. Well, today, we believe God's challenge for all of us is for us. For you and for I to be that person now in the situation. Y'all stand and we're going to pray. Chad mentioned something earlier about, you know, sometimes it's hard to engage with somebody. They're out of town or maybe they're passed away. But you know what? You can forgive somebody who's dead because it's good for your soul. You can say, God, I forgive them for all of that. It, it is so, so good for you to do that. So as I pray, I'm going to mention that. And so there might be somebody that comes to your mind from the past. They're out of state or out of touch, or maybe they've actually passed away. And God can begin something really cool in your heart today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're the awesome forgiver. You've forgiven everyone who says, Lord, I own it. I've sinned. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. And you say, I paid for that sin by my son's death. And so, yes, I accept you, son, to be, my, to be my son. I accept you to be my daughter. God, we, we all just admit today we're human, and we're not the forgiver you are. But we want to be more like you this way. God, we want to be people who don't get stuck in unforgiveness, but move forward in the process of forgiveness. And God, we just humbly say, help us, Lord. Help us. It ain't easy but we know it's right, and we know it'll be good for us and the other person too. Lord, help us be a church of great forgivers. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you help us with this critical, critical thing. Lord, I pray now you bless these folks. They'd have a sense of your presence and joy all week long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.